Uh, yeah. He's such a joker. He turned around with his goofy faces on it. We're like, hey, that's like a thousand dollars a second with this film. And, uh, our movie is something people don't realize is that uh, our films cost fifteen thousand dollars a minute to make a uh, Vinegar Hill film. So people don't realize that. You know, when I walk on the set, I'm like, I'm making money. And do you make the kind of money to pay me for my time? You know, like someone comes up and asks for an autograph. For example, I was just, I was hanging out with Scorsese. We were getting in Prague. Some, we were in Prague. We were getting some, some uh, we were getting some uh, halupki. And a um, guy comes up to me and he asks me for my autograph. And I say, well, you got $15,000 on you. And he says, what? And I say, well, that's how much my time is worth. $15,000 a minute. In fact, you already owe me right. thirty. And I took him to court. I did. You know, that's in, fortunately, Prague has some laws where you, you know, that allow for that sort of thing. I took him to court and he paid up. He had to mortgage his house. His uh, kids had to be shipped off to relatives. But, you know. But, you know, I signed the paper. The I gave end. him the paper. I gave him a signature. I'm, I'm not, <laughs> at the end at, of the day. At the end of the day, I gave him a signature. And I said, listen, pal, let that be a lesson, you know. It was on a legal document. It was on a legal document. It was, it was on, on an affidavit. <laughs> Welcome to the New American Storytellers. My name is David Altrogi, and I'm sitting in for Shepard Allers today. Shepard is enjoying the holidays with his family and couldn't host the show. First, the reason this intro sounds so bad is I'm recording it on my iPhone from the wilds of Colorado, where I too am enjoying the holidays with my family. But, to quote Liberace, the show must go on. Okay, a couple things before we dive into this week's episode. First, and this is very important, we are switching to a new iTunes feed. Yes, we are switching to a new iTunes feed. It's going to make things better. It's going to make things easier. It's going to allow us to broadcast this show in 3D. That's right. The new American Storytellers will be coming at you like a pack of gorillas in 3D. Okay, that was a lie. It won't come at you in 3D, but it'll be a lot better. So we're switching iTunes feeds. Here's the thing. Even if you are already a subscriber, we need you to resubscribe. It's a pain in the butt, but it will be worth it. So here's what you do. Go to newamericanstorytellers.com, click the little iTunes icon on the screen, and click subscribe again. Do it. Do it right now. It's a pain in the butt. Get up. Get off your butt and do it. We will be shutting down the old feed within a couple of weeks. You will no longer be able to get the episodes if you don't subscribe. Trust me. It'll be worth it. Second, the month of January is probably going to be a pretty quiet one for us at Vinegar Hill because we will be shooting our forthcoming feature, Twin Reflex. Yes, we are super excited. Yes, we are super pumped. No, we probably won't be doing a lot of podcasting while we're filming, but we will return in the month of February with stories of glory, stories of terror, stories of yours, stories from the set of Twin Reflex. It's going to be fun, so stay tuned, stay with us. If you want to follow along with the production, you can do so at vinegarhillstory.com slash blog. This week's episode, Never Trust an Expert. This summer, we filmed the first act of our film, Twin Reflex, and we embraced this really guerrilla style, really fun, just totally loose documentary style, and it worked really well. Mm-hmm. And after that, we went, um, we were hired to do a 30-second commercial for the, um, it's going to show at Sundance, um, and it was a very different story, very different kind of story, but... I had forgotten an age-old lesson. Um, I began to think that I was an expert in making movies because we had made this one very specific kind of movie and made it very well. So I tried to take that formula 
mm-hmm. and, empl- and employ it in this piece for the Sundance Film Festival. And the results were not as good as I would have hoped yeah. they would have been. It wasn't it wasn't a disaster, but it was very close. It did it did work out in the end. But it could have been a complete disaster. And the problem was the problem was hubris. Hubris. Um, and I didn't know what that meant until I looked it up, so that's a little assignment for you all, a.k.a. pride. The problem was I thought I had become an expert in making one kind of movie, and so I thought I was an expert in making all mm-hmm. kinds of movies. And that is a super dangerous place to be. Brad Bird, <laughs> the director of some amazing films, The Incredibles, Ratatouille, the new Mission Impossible film, that's, he said... Uh, I remember listening to this interview, and he said, you know, when you make a movie, you become an expert in making that one movie. But then when you go on to make a new movie, suddenly you are starting from scratch in a lot of ways. And you have a foundational, you have, there's definitely foundational things you've learned, but that, uh, each individual film, each individual story is a completely new monster, a completely new mountain mm-hmm. to climb, that the roadmap from from your last film, the roadmap from the last mountain doesn't apply. And that's kind of a terrifying thing, but also kind of like a super exciting thing. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. it's like it's like on one hand, it's terrifying because like just because you made a really good film doesn't make you a great director. You you're know, kind of or just because Yeah. You're the student of the film you're making at the time, right? Yeah, you're learning you're learning how to make that kind of film. But then the same the rules, everything changes on the next film. Everything changes when you go and you start a new film. Mm-hmm. So I guess my the question that I would pose is how do you how do you learn from the films you're making and carry lessons to new films while also being open to the lessons that this film has to teach you? The lessons that this story has to teach you if you're a writer. How can you take the lessons you learned on the last script, the last story, but also be open to the lessons that this this story has to teach you. Mm-hmm. Well, David, the experience that Steven Spielberg had in making Jaws was a completely different one than making the Sugarland Express. Mm-hmm. So his challenges were completely different. And if you watch like the behind the scenes and stuff, like right. he thought, okay, I can like totally do this film about this giant shark, but he didn't have the experience necessary to like make the shark work. So he had this complete new challenge of like shooting a film without a giant shark that he could, that could actually work. Well, so I guess, but the question I ask is, what separates that apart, Steven Spielberg's sort of going in and having to start from scratch on Jaws, versus my experience where I went into, um, where I went into the Sundance commercial and suddenly there, we were on a train mm-hmm. and it was headed very, very much towards right. a brick wall and was going to wreck. Well, Do you know what I'm saying? It's like all that's, the same except for the shark part. That's, well, yeah, pretty much the, our shark worked on, on the Sundance spot. That, uh, the, the thought that this is a new movie, it just, I, I think the, the thing is, this is a new story, it mm. just it makes you on your guard. Because like, I think if you go mm. in thinking of yourself as an expert, you're in danger. But if you right. go in and you're like, I know so little. I it's it's so much of sort of a, an attitude thing. Are you going in wanting to and ready to embrace the new lessons and willing to throw out everything that worked on the last project and start totally from scratch? You yeah. know what I mean? Is anyone an expert in something they haven't actually done? Like 
I would I would ask that question because it seems like there are people that are quickly lauded as experts because they've done stuff. But does that mean that they could do something they've never done before? Like, is there an expert know. in everything? I don't know. I, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think there's where we are, probably not. But I think as you, I think as you mature as a filmmaker and a storyteller, you're able to do more different kind of things. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, that comes through experience. Yeah, that comes through experience. And I'm sure, I'm sure, like Martin Scorsese working on Hugo, which is a 3D kids film. I'm sure he had to learn tons. I'm sure there right. was a huge learning curve for him. Uh, as opposed to the to the the previous films he'd made, so I think I, I don't I, I don't know I think a huge part of it is the your how are you approaching making a movie I think just the thinking of yourself as an expert thinking I finally figured out mm-hmm. how to write or I finally figured out how to make movies is a really dangerous really dangerous thing. Right. Um, I mean, Mike, what does that look like? I guess what does that look like in the world of director of photography for you because I mean we use a lot of the same we use a lot of the same techniques we we you and I have a, a shorthand when we're on set for kind of what we're thinking but also you're continuing to try to push us to do new fresh things visually um, even though stylistically in a lot of ways like twin reflexes in a lot of ways stylistically similar to the cosmonaut I guess you don't want to take for granted that you know how to do stuff like mm. with whatever it is I mean for, I guess, technologically, there's always, there's there's new things that you can do to, to improve on where you did before. Mm-hmm. So, like, since our last film to this film, there's, I don't know, I look at it and I just see tons of things that I would never want to do again and, huh. and do better. So, like, I don't, uh, I don't know, I guess... Maybe eventually we'll get. I'll get to a spot where I feel like I know what I'm doing, but I, I don't yet. Well, but didn't you say when you went and saw Wally Pfister, who DP'd like Inception and The Dark Knight? I mean, wasn't he talking about just even like The Dark Knight and like hating on it, like and criticizing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It? He was just saying that there's a lot of in the the grading and the lighting and other things that he wouldn't have done if he had did it now. So I think that embracing the sort of the temporal temporal nature of hmm. the project. And Steven Spielberg talks about that too. Just that certain of his films, um, like, were films that he had to do right then. E.T. Right, for instance, like he said that he couldn't, he can't imagine doing that story now. It was a story that he had to tell at that point in, in his, his life. life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that keeping that perspective is good, so that you have to choose stories and tell stories in the time period that you are passionate about them, and in the way that you're passionate about them at the at the moment, and just. And then as you move on, don't let those previous works pigeonhole you into styles or pigeonhole mm-hmm. you into yeah. types of stories that, you know, uh, that that's, you know, all the kinds of films you, that you do are just like this. So when you're growing and developing and changing, you have to keep that mindset of, like, continuing to want to learn and, and change and grow. And I think that the, the best artists that are out there have that innately. It's a desire yeah. to continue to excel, continue to push the the limits of their storytelling, taking all the good things that you can learn from something and then uh, trying to apply those in a new project without saying, well, I know what I'm doing now. I'm just going to tell, mm-hmm. make another movie that's... I mean, if you do that, I think that either you're going to make a lot of movies that are exactly the same um, or just make one good movie and a lot of bad movies after right. that. Well, my... Um, yeah, I mean... Um, well, George Lucas became an expert in making Star Wars and then assumed after that that he was an expert in Star Wars and the only expert. And so the f- 
following three films after the after the first trilogy are not anywhere near as good as the first three. Yeah. No, Which I think that you're right though. Huge I think that Chef's right because says Michael um, because he directed he only directed the first film originally the New Hope and uh, he's said it was a huge mistake and he never wanted to direct again <laughs> after that. And somehow he ended up back in the director's mm. chair. I think that what happened, one of the things that potentially could have happened, having not spoken to the man, uh, is... Who we love dearly, by the way. Yeah, he's, as, he's a father. Know, he's a father figure for all of us. Kind of they, uncle, actually. He's, I think that he ended up feeling like in order to control the way that the film uh, developed, like that, that was the only place that he could that he could hmm. sit to do that and felt like he had the best perspective on that, which I think in hindsight it would have been really, really cool to see what a fresh eyes another director would have brought to the franchise. In the world that he created, um, not alienating George from the process, but allowing him to sort of take a background role. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that could have been really, really neat because someone new walking into the franchise would never be able to say, I'm an expert at this. Right. So I think that... In in a way, and there's well, I mean, <laughs> other at, problems at, with the prequels, but in a way, you could use this as an example for what you guys are look at. About. I, I think it's fun a fun sort of counterexample of seeing how J.J. Abrams, who was admittedly not a Star Trek fan, came into Star mm-hmm. Trek and brought a really fresh perspective. He was not a right. Star Trek expert, and I think that set him up to to be in a place where he could make a really fresh, original right. film. I think a, a filmmaker who I really admire a lot is Danny Boyle in that he is relentless with not doing the same thing yeah. over and over again. He's always pushing himself to do new things so that he doesn't become complacent as an artist. Yeah. So he did the movie Sunshine. It was all about control. It was all, everything was locked down. It was the whole thing was this super tight controlled film. And then he went on to do Slumdog Millionaire that was just chaotic and just right. crazy and just like he had no control. He was in the streets of India having no mm. control. And I think that really keeps him sharp as right. a director. Well, like, 127 Hours is also very controlled and tight and restricted yeah. and probably, for most directors, be a very difficult story to tell. Yeah, I mean, it's one actor stuck in... For the majority of the film in yeah. one location. So I think there's... I think that if... It, it's Danny Boyle's attitude is he doesn't want to become an expert um, because that's a dangerous mm-hmm. place to be when you start to think of yourself as an expert. Right. Artistically, you're going to die, and you're setting yourself up for disaster. He very easily could have gone on and directed 28 Weeks Later and become like a horror film director mm-hmm. after 28 Days Later, but he didn't. Right. Um, I think Steven Spielberg figured it out on Jurassic Park um, to The Lost World. Like, he had to stop at some point. <laughs> you know, because you can't just keep uh, doing the same thing had over to do that first. Right, over and over again. <laughs> and I think we can learn from that too. Is like. You know, we don't want to just go on and make Twin Reflex 2. Ooh. Well, I, well, maybe we Triple do. Triple Reflex. No, I think, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm very aware that the next film I make after Twin Reflex, I want to be very different than Twin Reflex. And there's stuff, there's, there's techniques that we're using in Twin Reflex that I'm excited about developing further because I feel like we're really, mm-hmm. a lot of our techniques are really immature and we're just, they're just in their infancy. But as far as the way we're making Twin Reflex, I'm have very little interest in making a film exactly the same way. I want to right. make a very different a very different film next, which is which is really you heard exciting. It here first. Romantic uh, comedy. Uh, David rom-com. Deal. <laughs> oh, zom- that, I really want to make a zom-com. Or zombie zombie com. Zom com. It's a zombie romantic comedy from the mind who brought you Twin Reflex and The Interventionist. Zombies in love. Ooh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I think if, if you go in to 
each film and realize that you're not an expert. And you're just, you're on your guard. You're ready for when stuff totally falls apart. You're ready to, to learn the lessons that that film has to offer. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty rad, because you're really going to grow as a, as a filmmaker and a storyteller when you have that sort of student. I'm a student. I'm not an expert. Even if your last project, everyone loved and is like praising you as like a genius, right. which hasn't happened to us yet. Hasn't happened to me yet. Um, mm. People are usually like, man, what idiot made that film? <laughs> so that's, that's good for us. But, uh, you know, I'm sure some of you have had some really cool successes. That's the point when you need to just be mm. really careful and be on your guard and, and be really... Uh, I hate to use the word honest with yourself because now it sounds like Dr. Phil. Like you got to be honest with yourself. But really... Be true to you. You know, you know... <laughs> Honestly, you know that you're not a genius. And the minute you start to think of yourself as a genius... And that's, that's the funny part, because I don't think that anybody's necessarily said that I was just brilliant, but we might have thought that at right. different points. Right, And that's that's the most dangerous thing. Exactly. Right. Yeah, when you Who start... Who cares what other people think? If you think that you're brilliant all of a sudden, like you're ready to start making some real yeah. poopy films. Yep. yep, Well, I think it's really important to watch out what you allow other people to say about you to affect your own thoughts of yourself. Yeah. Like, other people have all their opinions saying, hey, you're great or you suck, but, like, you really need to be the one to, like, know yourself, know where you're at. Know thyself. Know how good you are and evaluate, like, have your own opinion of your own films that you've made. Be all that you can well, be. Well, Jim, Coll- Jim Collins, who wrote three amazing books. Oh, there goes Siri. Siri wants to why. say a Siri things. wants to add a few things. Um, Jim, Collins, Jim Collins, who wrote um, some amazing books um, on business and the businesses that thrive for the long term mm-hmm. and the businesses that crumble. And he said, the CEOs of businesses that are successful financially and just as far as innovation-wise are guys who are very quick to ascribe success to other people, to external factors, to um, mm-hmm. the team, to anyone but themselves. And I, I think that's really smart yeah. for filmmakers. Don't be... Um, and even if people are like, you know, you're a genius, don't Accept that because really the fact is, if a movie's going to be great, it's not going to be because just the director. It's going to be because of a ton of people who have mm-hmm. come together to make a film, and it's going to be right. because of a lot of things. Uh, usually, a lot of really good circumstances working on your behalf. Because you know, Mike, as you're fond of saying, once you set out to start to make a, to, to make a movie, everything conspires against you to make the worst film ever. Um, So I think that, I mean, I think if you have that attitude where you're just, don't, I mean, you know, when people say, hey, amazing movie, like, get in the practice of just, like, giving credit where credit is due, you know what I mean? And I think that is a really good way to protect yourself from beginning to think you're an expert. Thanks so much for listening to the New American Storytellers. Be sure to check us out online, newamericanstorytellers.com and vinegarhillstory.com. If you have any feedback for us, hate, love, lukewarm feelings, anything, feel free to shoot us an email, podcast at newamericanstorytellers.com. And special thanks to our boss, Mr. Tori Malatia, a man who just cannot eat tacos. Uh, I just looked at the taco and just wanted to puke all over the place. Join us next week. I'm Eric Glass.